They change your thought process. Right. That's true. But I think there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if necessarily that's the best way. Right. Um, on that level, I, I really don't know enough to speak to that, to be honest with you. But I know they're using it a lot for uh, guys with PTS. Yes. Um, you know, that have been in these last conflicts, things of that nature. So, like, you know, I, I, I'm kind of open-minded to it. I mean, we obviously can't trust the pharmaceutical industry. Right, so. right, right. And it's interesting because... Um, I like doing uh, a lot of study and research on mushrooms, and uh, they're trying—they're already figuring out, like you said, it's helping people who have depression and have all these issues. And to come back with what you said, the pharmaceutical industry—it really depends and survives off of ill people. So the last thing they would want is a one-pill solution. I guess it doesn't solve every problem, but they're realizing that um, it's more to do with how one has in their own mindset and how they have an outlook on life. If somebody's depressed, you know, they don't have any motivation to get up out of bed. I mean, you can also say it has to do a lot with what they eat, how much sunlight they get. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, they... we know that your microbiome and your gut has a ton to do with your mental health. Right. Right. So if a lot of people would just eat more fermented foods, you know, like, uh, you know, kefir, um, you know, sauerkrauts, things like that. Yes they probably do a lot better. Right, definitely. I'm sure you heard the adage, you are what you eat. And I'm sure people who, especially in the American culture, if they're dependent on McDonald's, fast food, prepackaged food that's been depleted of all the nutrients, it's no wonder so many people are depressed. But what I'm trying to get to is that they're, they're figuring out that mushrooms, they sort of do something in your mind where they kind of flick a switch and you're more into of a... You're more introspective and you realize the things that you're doing in your life do have an, an effect. And I know it sounds so cliche and simple to say, but for a lot of people, they don't have this type of um, motivation that sparks from in them. Like even me, I go to the gym and sometimes I even need a, I have a playlist of music that I have to motivate me. You know, it pumps me up. I need something to kind of trigger me because sometimes it's not there. I, I'm curious to ask you because you're, you've been working out for a long time, obviously, and um, just just a little quick question. Do you sometimes still feel like you don't want to work out, but you push yourself? Oh, absolutely. And what, do absolutely. You, what are some of your techniques? Quite often. I mean, you know, the chair is magnetic to my rear end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I th okay, I think that's normal. But what are some of your techniques? Well, sure. Um, wow, that's kind, of, that's kind of hard for me to nail down because I've been doing it so long that for me, I just know it's necessary. Um, so I kind of have that, that internal button now, but you know, you have to, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how much good it does for them until they stop for a, pro a period of time right. and realize how bad they feel. Yeah. Right. So if you, you know, and it's okay, it's, it's okay to take some days off. Like if you're feeling beat up, like genuinely beat up, not right. just lazy, right. um, but if you're feeling so so unmotivated because you're tired or your uh, uh, your joints are getting achy, you're starting to get like small injuries and tweaks a lot, that means that you're probably somewhat overtrained. Right, right. Um, that this this all in or nothing thing that a lot of people do nowadays, it it's junk. Right. It's junk. What you end up doing is you end up doing a lot of junk volume that, that will in the long run is gonna do you damage. 
And I can say because I've made a lot of mistakes with the high volume um, kind of training. Right. So I, you know, I trained, you know, I started training in 1979. Um, and when I started training, you know, all we had back then were the bodybuilding magazines. Right. Um, so you had a, guy, a bunch of guys who were using pads, you know, <laughs> telling you, you know, do a hundred sets of back and Damn. do, you know, you know, do 25 sets of biceps or whatever. And, you know, I mean, it was really off the, off the chart, stuff like that. Overkill. It, it was overkill for the natural person. Right. Right. So, I mean, you got to remember, we didn't even have creatine yet. Right. Yeah. So we had, we had stuff that tastes like chalk and junk. It was just, it was awful. Uh, and that was the supplements we had. And, you know, I'm not sure any of them did anything. Right. So, you know, you would, you would follow these programs and you would, you know, you would make some gains because as, as a, you know, as a new trainee, you will always make gains. Right. I mean, it's, especially if you're in that age where the hormones are raging, you know, you're young, you're in your, you know, your, your late teens or early twenties, you know, you've got a great hormonal profile for getting bigger and getting stronger. So almost anything you do will work. The issue is, is, you know, what are you doing to your body as far as, um, you know, wear and tear. So, you know, as, as the science progresses, we, we find out that less is more in many fashions. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of studies on it. So, you know, it seems like sets, you know, five sets is a good, uh, is a good range. Um, have you ever heard of Prilipin's table? No, no, sir. What is that? Can you explain? Okay, so what Prilipin's table is is uh, the, the back in the Russian lifting days. So the Russians, uh, they had the biggest experimental scale for for training that there was. Right. So they and did my, it and my interject. When were these studies done? Sure. Oh, uh, they were doing. They were done all through the Cold War. Oh, I, I imagine that. I, I could. Do you think they were using prisoners or they're just regular people who wanted to work out? Oh no, no, no. They were. They were selecting people. Okay. So what they would do is they would identify their own populace, their own their own young people, and they would put them through kind of. I, I don't want to say covert tests, but tests the kids didn't know they were going through, and they would basically push them in those directions, okay, especially in things like athletics and science and things of that nature. So if they had a proclivity towards those things, they would move them in that direction, and it was that way, especially with, like, the Olympics, because the Olympics was the world stage. It was a way to basically compete against your adversaries without going to war right right that's right? interesting that's a cool way of thinking i i would imagine that the greatest country on earth here america would have that type of system in the education system you know find out what kids pro proclivities are what their talents are what they're really good at and then have the teachers or put them in a group that would more facilitate that type of learning to to harness that type of skill or whatever it is that they have an ability in but it seems right, that, like, that would be a great idea. Right, but it um, seems like now they're just you know, putting The only up. shortfall to that in the United States is that we don't kind of force anybody in that direction. I don't mean that as a shortfall. It's like, you know, I'm all about freedom. But as far as they were concerned, if that's the way, if that's where your, your proclivities and your talents were, that's where you were going. That's cool, yeah. Okay, so, you know, 
here you have the freedom of choice. Right. It doesn't matter if you're good at it. If you right. don't want to do it, you don't have to do right. it. Right. So that's, that's why it worked there. And they, and you know, they would basically use their athletes for their experiments. Okay. So this was thousands and thousands and thousands of people where we might do, you know, here in the United States, we were doing a, a group of 20 or right, 30 people. Right. So it's a large sample, a, a large set of group of people to get a lot of data from. Precisely. And that's what they did. They had, they, they, they had a lot of aggregate data, right? Over a long period of time, they put it all together. Um, and it was just the best, uh, probably one of the, the best, uh, examples of pure science you'll ever find. Okay. Now, do I agree with the way they did it? No. Right. Right. I totally. It's all <laughs> no, about because, freedom. You know, you were making people do things and you were, you were using your drugs on them and, you know, right. You know, making these kids train day and night. Um, but was it efficient and did it work? And was there a lot learned for from it? Absolutely. And so, so you back to Prilipin's yeah, table. The table. Yeah. So Prilipin's table, basically what it is, is it's how it did Prilipin took all this, uh, all this data and sifted through it for like years, um, to figure out what was the best satin rep scheme for, uh, what you would call an Olympic lifter. Okay. Right. So if you're looking to get strong, you can also apply that to things like powerlifting. Um, and you can slightly increase the volume for, uh, you know, for bodybuilding. Okay. So what it does is it tells you, it gives you a range basically of um, the minimum amount of repetitions you should do for that workout. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you the median amount or what would be the optimal amount. And then, you know, the top end amount. Okay. Um, and I mean, you can look it up. You just type it in. It's Prilipins. I think uh, I've seen it now that you, how you mentioned it. It's just like a data set of uh, kind of a how-to and then different weights and how to amplify the sets and so. Right, but just look up the simple table. I mean, it's just a, it's a table. I mean, it doesn't even, it looks like a bad uh, uh, word document, right? Prelipin. Uh, Prelipin, so it's P-R-I-L-E-P-I-N. Okay. Uh, so okay. Prelipin's table. Okay. You'll set that up and, yeah. it, and it'll tell you. So if you, you want to start designing your own programs, especially for strength, um, you know, that's the place to start. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, I, I looked through your Instagram, and I see that you've done, like, actual, you've read books about working out. You know, I just go to the gym. I have my I have my own, like, I, I was also going to tell you, I see that you write a lot of your sets on paper. Like, mm -hmm. have you ever sure. tried, I, I use this app on my phone. I have the iPhone. I use this application. It's called Strong. It's like 30 bucks for a year, but um, it's really good because it helps you track your sets, your weight. It progresses how you've gone up and down. It's And it tells you uh, when you're breaking records. It's it's really interesting. I think you should check it out. I think you, you'd like it. Yeah, I might do that. I might do that. Well, you know, I'm an old guy, so, you know, I'm kind of attached <laughs> to paper. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, have, I have years and years of... Uh, of paper that I go back and look on and, you know, sometimes I'm skeptical about technology. Right. Right. You no, know, well, last forever, you know, true, true. Well, what I, what I was trying to get at is I see that you've actually done the study. Like you've actually delved and done research about the history, different types of working out. What was it mainly that got you into really focusing into uh, working out and being like your best body self? Oh, well, that changes through life. So if you if you want to talk about 
in the beginning, I mean, it was what what do most guys want? Right. You know, they want to look good. They would. They want to. They want to meet girls. Right. You know. So I was at that uh, uh, early pubescent fourteen year old. Uh-huh. You know, wanted to meet girls. Was a little chubby. So I wanted to get in shape, and uh, I saw guys like you know Schwarzenegger and right. some of the older guys like Reg Park, and it was actually uh, my brother-in-law, who was much older than me, um, gave me a Reg Park book. So it was a really, really old-school uh, training book. He gave me when I started working out. I saved up my money and bought uh, a Diversified Products concrete you know vinyl weight set wow yeah i was 14 i I didn't even have a bench i would use a hutch and throw a towel on it (laughs) and roll the weight up my legs onto my chest to do bench press Mm -hmm. um so you know i couldn't afford to go to a gym or anything so i just kind of muddled through but i used that book and i actually i made great gains um i mean i know i was a beginner but you know i had a i I had a friend when i was going to high school um a couple years later he's like man, how'd you get your back so wide? I'm like, bent rows. He's like, you don't do lat pull downs? I'm like, I don't have a lat pull down. I just do bent rows. Um, So it was, you know, hardcore basics. Um, And then it changed as, you know, as I got older, you know, you want to be strong and tough. And uh, when I joined the military, you know, I always thought it was, uh, thought it was necessary when I was in the army to make sure I stayed fit. The army made you stay fit anyway. Yeah. so it just it just kind of rolled and and it, and it it evolves into different reasons, um, you know. And you went all the way up until probably about um, my early forties. It was all about getting big and strong. And at my peak, I was about and this is natural. I never used any peds. I was about two sixty five. Oh shit! And the arms got up to like nineteen and a quarter, and the legs were. I guess I'm pushing around 29 inches. Um, all natural. All natural, yeah, yeah. Well, I study, you know, I yeah. study a lot. I started out young. Um, I did everything I could do to optimize, but I ate like crap at that point, right? Uh-huh. So, so let me I ask mean, you I this. didn't have a huge amount of body fat, but more body fat than I should have been carrying for health, right? <laughs> well, let but me I ask was, you this. Um, did you use protein mixes and, and supplements like that to get gains? Or just plain food okay so the first thing you always do is you iron out your food your water and your sleep okay okay and you're gonna hear that over and over and over again and that's always correct information right so you shouldn't even consider supplements if you're not sleeping six six to nine hours at a minimum okay you know um, that you're you're making sure you're consuming enough water uh, that your pee is somewhat clear um, and that, uh, and that you're eating adequate protein. So I'd say, you know, some people say 0.6 grams per pound of body weight, but I'd say 0.8 to one gram, uh, per pound of body weight. How old are you? 33. You're 33. Yeah. So you're still at that age where your protein synthesis is really good. Okay. I mean, I got my biggest and strongest. I was 42. Okay, cool. Well, I ask because I, I see I, I I went through I guess like you it's interesting you started when you were fourteen and you mainly stuck with it throughout your whole life I see I started when I was about maybe eighteen and then around age twenty three I stopped for a while I got lazy 
And then it wasn't until about, I guess, three, four years ago that I started up again. And I started doing it consistently. Um, I started writing my reps. I never did that before. You know, I was actually keeping track, and that's something I hadn't done before. I was keeping track, trying to improve more and more all over time. And then I started eating. I, I was sleeping okay, I guess, not maybe nine hours, but probably at least seven, eight at night. Um, well, that's good. That's good. That's drink, a good range. Drink about a gallon, a gallon and a half of water a day. And but I was taking protein. I, I'm a small guy. I'm 33. I'm like five five. I weigh like 140, 150 around there. Mm-hmm. And so I was drinking protein morning and the afternoon. And um, I, I would do protein at peanut butter, um, hemp seeds, um, all different types of supplements, powdered. And I was doing it for maybe four months. And I wasn't gaining weight. And I was like, well, what's going on, man? I, and what, I'm asking you, I guess, what do you think could have been? I was working out maybe three, four times a, a week, uh, sleeping properly, drinking water. Uh, but I felt like the protein wasn't really helping. Well, protein's not a, it's not a magic pill, right? right? right. So even as a supplement, all protein's going to do is make sure that you're getting adequate protein intake. Um, so what you want to do is you probably want to, you know, what was your carbohydrate intake? If you're, if you're a hard gainer, the last thing you need to do is to keep your carbs low. Right. Well, yeah, I guess so. I didn't cut them all out. I, my wife usually cooks, we eat a, a mainly meal of a meat. Um, my carbohydrates, I try to keep them to like broccoli, cauliflower, um, brown rice. Um, I try to not eat any bread. But I guess, yeah, I didn't cut. Well, you don't want wheat because that's that's just going to wreak havoc on your gut. Right. Okay. But there's nothing wrong with white potato. There's you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, rice is good. I mean, you can even eat white rice. I mean, there's a lot of arguments over the white and brown rice thing. But Mm -hmm. it it turns out that the the B nutrients that you get from the brown rice are not substantial enough to make a difference. Um, The fiber profile doesn't change that much. So, you know, white rice is okay. You know, sweet potatoes. Do you like sweet potatoes? Yeah, yeah. No, not really, actually. No, no. So, But I'll add that to my list. Right. Starchy carbs are, you know, they're not bad. Oats, you know, things like that. And eat some before like an hour and a half or an hour before you go work out. Okay. Yeah, I would add oats to that to that smoothie I would make, but I feel like I wasn't really gaining much. I, I don't know. I wonder. I'm, I'm sure people have certain metabolism, and I've always been a thin, small guy. Um, do you think it's possible for somebody to transcend that and like overcome that? Well, I mean, yes, yes, and no. I mean, you, you know, you're not you're not going to change your whole genetic makeup. Right. Right. But you can you can maximize what you do by optimizing your environment. So one of the places you need to go is you need if you're not eating fermented foods, you need to add those fermented foods. Okay, I'm ready. Right. So my wife got me turned on to that. She actually makes kefir. So if you can find someone to give your wife a kefir grain, you know you get a good uh, uh, low temperature uh, pasteurized milk. Okay um organic and you know you just put you put this grain in there and basically what it does it makes the bacteria um and then you can mix in afterwards you can mix in fruit or whatever and if you you know some people use goat milk um i mean there's even vegetarian versions but my wife says they don't work so well so that's her Uh, i'm not going to tell you too much about that you know she's probably upstairs going oh he's messing this information all up (laughs) but (laughs) 
but uh, yeah, she she told me that. Well, she said sometimes you get things wrong. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, I try. <laughs> okay, and so, what else would you suggest? Uh, yeah, then? so you want to, and, and you know, like uh, it, it, kimchi. Do you like kimchi? You ever have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like that. I would have that as well. So kimchi, you know, maybe a forkful of kimchi every day, things like that. Mm-hmm. Stay away from fast food. Right. Yeah. I. I don't. I don't. Last time I ate McDonald's. I cheated. I actually had some this summer because they had those spicy chicken nuggets. But before that, I haven't had it for years. I don't. I don't like eating. Yeah. Nuggets. So they did a study. I forget when it was, but they did a study where uh, I think I, I can't remember. One of us read it, my wife or or myself, but I think we both ended up reading about it. And they did a big study with college students, and they fed them nothing but uh, nothing but fast food. I think McDonald's for eleven days. Oh good. Um, and they t- tested their, their microbiome before and after, and they had zero count microbiome when they were done. Oh, there, were, there was zero bacteria in there. So it killed it? It killed all the good stuff in you? Yeah, Damn. kills it. And you need that to digest, right? You right. need all those enzymes. You need that bacteria. Um, and it's, it's linked to so many things. They know now they call it your second brain. Right, right. So as we said before about, you know, your, your mental health that uh, – it is closely linked to what your mental health is like. Definitely, definitely. And let's talk about that because I feel people who might not be in the know, you mentioned bacteria in your stomach and they'll probably be like, oh, that might be bad. But can you walk us through why we need this and why it's good and why taking things like um, probi- I mean, anti- antibiotics are bad for us? Sure. Well, what antibiotics do is they're not, they're not very particular about what they kill. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're going to kill, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a shotgun effect or a cluster bomb. Right? right. So you're trying to you're trying to get rid of a bad bacteria. So you basically kill it all. Right. Um, so, you, you know, you can you can reverse that by going back again, the fermented food and things of that nature. Um, it, well, it turns out that, you know, we're more bacteria than we are. Yeah. human yeah so we, we're widely made up of bacteria and the bacteria in our gut is very important it's symbiotic and it interacts with us um it helps us digest our food um it, it activates our immune system um you know it, it, it it's just super super important to right. uh, to who we are right so you can't digest right and absorb nutrients uh without those mm-hmm. And that's interesting. So you say that 11 days these people were doing eating fast food and it destroyed their uh, gut biome. I, imagine how many people out there have such a destroyed gut biome because they just, it's, maybe they don't eat it every day, but it, I think it's accumulative. You have, the way I see it is when, I'm sure you've seen videos when they leave McDonald's food outside or just leave it out for days and it doesn't even rot. The bacteria yeah. doesn't even want to eat that. None, nothing wants to feed off of that because nat- naturally, I think nature knows that this is bad food. And so what I maybe you have a different way of looking at it, but the way I see it is they put all these preservatives in this food. So you, when you eat this food, you're eating these preservatives. And what do these preservatives do? They keep things alive. So I don't know, maybe I may be wrong. I'm not a scientist. I didn't, haven't studied this. But what if by eating all these preservatives, we're keeping certain things alive that should die as our cells should die every once in a while? What if this is creating cancer in a sense? Do you have any idea if this is something? Well, it's, you know, the cancer thing is is basically how the, what does it impress upon a gene, right? 
So, you know, it turns out that, you know, we've always thought that so many things are highly genetic and it turns out that um, your genetics are only 8% of your outcome. So in other words, 92% is what you do. Epigenetics. Pardon? Epigenetics. Yes. So, so you're looking at when, when people say, oh, it's my genetics, it's like, what are you doing to activate that small 8% Right. of your genome to express badly. Right. Because that's what it is. It's a, it's environment. It's what you're doing to, to put those pressures upon it. So whether it's preservatives or, or genetically modified food, which also is a gut biome killer, um, because it, it, it basically they, they demonstrated where your body will start making or holding on to pesticides because that's what the genetically modified food is made to do. And when they've done biopsies on things like, you know, uh, uh, breast cancer tumors, they found, they find pesticides in those almost ubiquitously. So, I mean, there's that, that's a lot to kind of unpack. Right. Right. Um, but we do know, you know, there's still a lot to learn. I mean, they're constantly learning more and more about the microbiome. Um, I mean, you, you know, you have the biomes, you have the a different, uh, uh, you know, you have it on your skin and, yes. you know, if you, if you, uh, like the MRSA thing where everybody's getting MRSA, yeah, it's the same as the antibiotic thing. Right. So I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but I'm going to, um, so you know how they, uh, they said, we're going to, we're going to do away with the antibiotic soaps. Right. Uh, because like much like your antibiotic, like your antibiotics that you you take in your body, you have large bacteria that live on your skin mm-hmm. that constantly consumes the bad bacteria. Right, and that's basically good bacteria. Yeah, you need it. Right, but things like triclosan and your soaps are not particular about which bacteria they kill. Yeah, carpet. So bombs. what they do is they. They kill the big bacteria and the, some of the small bacteria gets away and then you have a propensity towards getting things like MRSA exactly, and yeah. staph infections. Right, right. So with that knowledge, have you, uh, I, I have started maybe a couple years now, I've been buying soap that's made from hemp. Um, do you buy alternative soaps now? Oh, yes. We, we do that. We don't use basically any chemicals. Detergents so for your washing? we try to limit our plastics in our environment. Um we eat organic and non-GMO. Mm-hmm. And so, so, and the thing, the amazing thing was, is, you know, all the, you know, cause we used to eat the regular standard American diet. Okay. Um, and the amazing thing about that was that we did not change much in our diet. I mean, we cleaned it up somewhat because we did, we stopped eating the fast food, but when we switched to, to non-GMO foods, uh, we both lost a tremendous amount of weight okay. when we started eating organic non-GMO. So, you know, the body fat just dropped off. And uh, my theory there that I can't prove, um, but it is somewhat backed by science, is that, uh, you know, rampant inflammation. Yes, yeah, that's basically it, the root cause of everything I heard. Yeah, so it turns out, I mean, they know now that, you know, if you have gum disease, you're more prone to uh, uh, cardiovascular disease mm-hmm. so you can have heart problems if you know you got bad plaque on your teeth Dang. that's crazy. you know or gum disease well and it's because you're it's chronic inflammation right mm-hmm. 
um, your whole body reacts to this, the, these inflammatory uh, bacteria and, and things of that nature. And, you know, you just stay in this inflamed state and it, it's destructive to everything in your body. Right, right. And so, see, I, I also try to have a clean environment. I've changed the products that I buy in our home. But I, I'm sure you're aware that it's kind of impossible now with the state of the world. There's microplastics in everything. Sure. Um, Sure, but you don't have to. You don't have to just say uh, give up and throw your no, hands up. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I feel like even though as hard as one tries, because even if, I, I don't know. Do you have your own garden? Do you grow some of your own food? Yeah, we try. We're terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> Same, brother. See, I've been trying to do that, but yeah, it's it's really hard. I I can barely manage to keep some flowers alive. But I, that's definitely something I, I want to work on. I keep saying I've, I've said for two years now. Okay, this year I'm gonna really stick to it, and I, I can't. But I feel even if one were to grow their own food, you know, the rainwater, I'm sure you, you know, it's not clean anymore. It's being polluted. I don't know what you think right. about um, chemtrails, but they tested groundwater. They tested uh, water from rare and far off places, and it's all kind of poison. What do you think? We yeah, can... I, I, I don't know about the chemtrails thing. I haven't seen anything definitive on that. I know that you see jet streams. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't remember what they're called, but you know, it's that's that's. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get into that. I don't know okay. enough about. That's that, all good. I, that's all good. But I guess what I'm trying to get but at. There, is, but to your point, there is a lot of chemicals in the rain and in the environment. Right, and and for example, even water. Where do you get your water that you drink? Um, we do have city water, but we like double filter it. Like from the tap, you have a filter and a filter under your sink. Yeah, we have a we have a, actually a whole house filter. We have a Pelican, which is a carbon filter. Oh shit, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, see, because uh, they're not. They're, I mean, they're a little expensive, but they're not that expensive, and it lasts about five years. And then you know you still have your housing and everything. Right. So every six months you change the first, you know, the first stage filter, mm -hmm. which is like a string. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen those round string filters. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. And then it goes through a tank that has uh, a carbon medium in it. Okay. So every every five years you change that medium in that tank, which isn't really that hard. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and you said it's pricey, but I mean that's an investment for your body and your health and the rest of your life. Well, sure. I mean, if it's lasting five years, it's not that pricey. I right. I can't remember what we paid for it, but I think it was maybe a couple thousand bucks cool cool yeah see because i get my water i fill up my five gallon jugs at this uh, filtration place but i'm not so sure how clean that water is i've seen that they've done studies on bottled water different brands all across the spectrum and they're all not sure. really clean yeah sure and then they put them in plastic too which right. is you know yeah and then which they is questionable <laughs> because you, you don't know if the plastics how bpa free it is and there's other PAs or whatever. My wife could tell you more about that too. So right. we're, we're like the dynamic duo when it comes to that. So she knows all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I know the workout stuff. And then when they transport it, and I've even seen them, uh, we have HEB grocery stores. Sometimes they store the water outside when they have uh, overstock. And that's like the sunlight with the plastic. I've heard that it leaches chemicals off and goes into the water. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If that starts getting hot, yeah, that freeze that frees that up. And I mean, just leave a bottle of water in your car on a summer day and right. then open it up. You'll taste the plastic. Right. It's nasty. Oh, my God. That's, it's yeah, it's, it's terrible. And so I guess my thing is, I'm sure you follow, you follow me on Instagram and you've seen the type of stuff that I post. And to sure. me, it seems to me, I don't know, I may sound like a lunatic to some people, but it seems to me 
I want to get your opinion on this, that there is a systematic effort on keeping humans like at their lowest possible stage. Like there's no really incentives out there. There's no role models. There's no people out there with the big voice, you know, telling people to improve, to become their best possible version of themselves. So my question to you is, do you think that there is a systematic effort by a group of people or corporations or maybe not even systematic, just a byproduct of all of this greed. Do you think that there is something actively keeping people down? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it may be just a byproduct of greed, but the rest of us are just, we're, we're tools in that, right? right? We're tools in that to, to you know, a, a means to an end as it were. So, I mean, you do, you have the things like, uh, world economic forum and you have the who and you know it seems like if they put world in their name yeah <laughs> it's yeah anything everything i see on the media mainstream just think the opposite because they're usually just twisting things around using word magic uh using different types of techniques to like manipulate people well the media has become a tool for the for the pharmaceutical companies right right I mean, they don't, you know, they're going to they're gonna do whatever big pharma says, and you're going to see 20 commercials about antidepressants. And, uh, um, yeah, back to that, so that, the, you know, they're coming out publicly now and saying that uh, um, depression is not a chemical imbalance. Yes, please talk about that. They know it's not, yes. and their they're, drugs are just damaging. Right. I want to talk um, about that because I think it's very important because I don't remember exactly when. I think it was in the 50s that they came up with this study saying, or I don't even know it was a study, but the major talking point that these pharmaceutical companies were talking about was that people are depressed because something's wrong with their brain, their hormone levels are not correct. So we gotta give you these drugs, these pharmaceuticals to like level you out and make you straight. And like you right. said, what did they discover? Um, that none of that's true. That there's, they can't prove any chemical imbalance. I mean, even Zoloft was sold on that, right? Yeah. That your your neurotransmitters across your synapses were not working correctly. Um, so it, you know, it's a bunch of fudge data by the big pharma. Mm -hmm. um, that you know that these this is what's going on, and it's not. So there's going to be there's going to be a lot more coming out about that. I mean, I I haven't studied enough on that to really deeply elaborate, but um, there's some good resources out there. Uh, so if you haven't listened to, uh, have you ever listened to the High Wire? Uh, I've heard of it, but no, I don't think no, I haven't. Okay, you, I, I encourage you to get on the High Wire, HighWire.com every Thursday. He has, uh, it's a guy named Del Bigtree. He used to work for CBS, uh -huh. um, and he used to work in basically the medical medical reporting. You know, he had an Emmy and all kinds of other stuff, and uh, he started speaking out against vaccines. And basically, you know, that was not became very unpopular. So he left that industry and started his own thing. Uh, the the uh it's called ICANN. okay uh informed consent action network um and they've been a a vehicle and a driver for um a lot of this uh debunking a lot of the the, the covid lie right it right yeah yeah so yeah, when all this all the misinformation that was coming from the people that were supposed to be giving us the good information true, and accusing true. the rest of us of misinformation right right yeah and i think that's the whole story of the media now and now they're so blatant about it 
And it's just, I think, I think that in them trying to push COVID on us, it woke so many people up. Like I've been talking to so many people who always like told the line of the news, uh, the mainstream media, but through this COVID thing, they realized, wait a minute, I took the vaccines, I did everything you told me, and I'm still sick, and y'all still wanna keep pushing it even though y'all know it doesn't work. So I think it was a blessing in disguise in a sense. I think it woke a lot of people and like it got a lot of people aware about the truth about the pharmaceutical industry, who Fauci mm-hmm. really is. And I think it's awesome because it's, it's, I'm sure you know before the whole COVID thing, protests were breaking out all over the world. Hong Kong was having these major protests about freedom. Um, sure. Europe, Europe was having protests. Um, it seems like the world wanted to realize and to wake up and to see that there is a new thing emerging with this whole thing with technology and the internet. We can now communicate and talk to each other and and notice and tell each other this whole spiel that I'm talking about that we're actively being suppressed. By who? So we start talking, we start making connections, we connect the dots and we realize that it's these people on top and I don't know, maybe it is a byproduct of greed. But to me, it seems like they have all the money. They have everything they could ever want. But it seems like it's more of a moral, spiritual thing. And when we started, you mentioned you were a Christian. And I grew up in the Christian household. I left, but I'm slowly coming back to it. And the older I get and, you know, having children and just experiencing life, I feel closer to God and I can, I feel him for sure. Do you think that there is something spiritual going on here? Absolutely. I mean, the Bible describes it, you know, that we are we are fighting a spiritual war and we are headlong for the for the end times. Okay. so, you know, Jesus is going to return eventually and he's going to wipe out everything. And if you're saved, you're going to get to live on the new earth. That'll be perfect. And all the sin will be gone. But I mean, he it he explains it explicitly. Right. And a lot of these. uh uh, these pieces are falling into place, right? Right. Um, biblically, right. So you have the, uh, you know, the Russians and the Turks and uh, and the Iranians. <clears throat> They're all kind of becoming united, and these are the these are the lands that uh, they believe were biblically talked about about Gog and Magog. Yes. Right for the Ezekiel War. Right. So I mean if if you look even historically at the uh um at the bible and you you look at the uh the prophecies you know they've come true a lot of a lot of the prophecies from the old testament were written about things that happened hundreds of years later they had no way to know right well, they had a way to know the way it was God, but, you know, they... They, they didn't understand. At the time, they didn't know how it was going to con- happen or c- come to happening, but it, it eventually did. Right, and and most of it's very clear. Right. Right, it's not like it's murky and mysterious like a lot of people like to make it to be. Right, right. So right. what I would encourage you to do, since you're kind of feeling your way back to Christianity, is that... And the thing that saved me is, I, you know, my wife went to church her whole life, and I... You know, and I thought I believed in God, and uh, we were having some trouble in our marriage, and uh, we were likely to, to get a divorce, and uh, I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I knew I was a mess, so I cried out to God, and I said, I, I don't know what to do. 
but I'm going to pick up this Bible and I'm going to start reading it. And I want you to help me wow. show, show yourself to me. And what I did was I started reading on word one and read all the way through. And I changed entirely by the time I was done reading the Bible. Wow. Wow, brother. I love these. I love testimonies like that. Because for me, like, it's interesting how the world is so open to any and every idea. For example, Hinduism, Buddhism, all these alternative schools of thought. But Christianity is the last thing they want you to look at. That's the last thing they want you to see into. And so you said, like, I'm always, always also fascinated by these stories of these moments when people change, like, kind of hit a rock bottom. And they're like, okay, something has to change. And then they turn to God. And it's amazing the transformation that happens. Um, if you don't feel comfortable sharing, could you, would you be willing to share with us what were some of the things that you said that were maybe wrong in your past that changed? Oh, just, you know, the, the drive for carnal things like lust and, you know, just wanting everything to be about me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and the way I, the way I looked at other people and the way I treated other people, um, it, you know, my eyes were open and it, it, the, the amazing thing was, and, and this is why I say you have to start at word one and end with word last. Um, the reason why I say that is that you, you can't understand the whole scope of the Bible unless you read the whole Bible. And what do you mean by word one? I'm sorry. So the first word in the Bible. Oh, okay. In the beginning. And then read all the way to the last word in the Bible, you know, congruently all the way through. Right. Um, and the reason being is that the story builds and you understand a lot of the reasons God said and did the things he did. Right. But if you read it kind of in pieces, people get the idea like, oh, God was just totally mean. He wiped out all these people right, right. and he did this and he did that. And there were, there were reasons for all of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I remember when I was going through my rebellious stage in my 20s. I would read parts of the Bible where it said, and God said to smite them all. But there's a reason for it. And you need to see why he told him to do that. Because it was a, a country that was literally doing the worst of the worst things. Yeah, usually sacrificing children um, and things of that nature. You know, they, 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 they literally would set their children on the arms of a molten iron god statue Moloch. yeah yeah right so they would take babies and lay them on there and basically just burn them to death. right yeah and they would play drums really loud why you know so the parents couldn't hear the screams man that's some dark stuff brother it is it's really dark and, and people are always like well god was mean and on one hand and when he gave that justice to these evil people People say, oh, well, he's just a mean God. And then they say today, why does he let all this stuff go on? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, he's a God of justice. He's going to return and he's going to set everything right again. Right. But also some of that you also have to allow that there's people out here in the world that have free will and they choose to do these bad things. And that causes misery and pain as well. Well, that's what causes it. We've been given it. it, it you know, if there's no free will, there's no free love, right? True. So how are you going to love God if you are a robot? Right, right. No, but what I'm saying is that people say that all these terrible things happen in the world, but that's because there's these people who have actively or maybe just unknowingly turned their back on God, and this has led them down a road, road of, of just sadness and, and pain and hurt, and then they inflict this pain on others. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to do whatever your 
whatever your carnal flesh wants you to do. Right, right. Right. And that's, you know, even after you're saved, that's the drive you have. You're still attached, <clears throat> excuse me. You're still attached to your, your carnal body, your dying body. Right? right. You have the living spirit within you, but you still have this, this flesh that wants to gravitate towards the old sin. Right. 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 What, what the apostle Paul said was like having a, uh, having a corpse tied to his body. Oh, dang. I, I don't remember that. Can you explain that? No, well, apparently what it is is that it, it was a uh, um, an Israelite or a, a tradition that if you murdered somebody, they would actually tie the corpse to your body for several days. Oh, wow. And you had to drag that corpse around. Oh, dang. So, hmm. um, yeah, if you ever want, like, a lot of history and stuff on it, uh there's a show called uh, Ask Dr. Brown. Okay. And it's on YouTube. And he is a he is actually a, a, a Messianic Jew. Do you know what that is? Yes. Okay, so he's a Messianic Jew and he's a spot he's a, a uh, Near Eastern language scholar. Oh, okay. So, you know, he gets into some pretty deep stuff. Um and yeah, real real good guy and he'll he'll talk about like a lot of that kind of stuff. He has thoroughly Jewish Thursday too, which you know he'll go into a lot of the Jewish tradition and things of that nature. Which you know, uh, knowing the history and looking at the history of these things, um, it changes your perspective too. Right. Because then you have a cultural background. Yes, definitely. Because they'll say things like, uh, you know, putting putting your hand under your thigh. You know, and we're like, why would you put your hand under someone's thigh? That's just weird. Right? And, and that was basically like a colloquialism for them for like uh, uh, making a promise. Oh, okay. I see. Interesting. Or, or speaking the truth. Right. But we wouldn't know that because that's not normal in our culture. Right. Right. Yeah. There's certain things that you have to, I guess, be within that culture to understand what they actually mean. Well, sure. Imagine if uh, you were in a totally another, uh, totally different culture, and someone, uh, someone heard you say, you know, and he crossed his fingers for me. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, what? What is? He, what are you talking about? Right, right. If you had no idea what that meant, you'd be like, what? So? Right. <laughs> What's that craziness? Right. Yeah. You're crossing your fingers. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. You saying that now makes me think. Like, imagine now how many things in the Bible that are just, one just reads, but like you said, they don't understand the cultural significance if you understood what it really meant that was happening at that time. Right, so it's good to have a frame of reference. It's good to listen to to, to the scholarly preachers too. You know, John MacArthur's a good one. Um, you know, you, you may not necessarily, I mean, when you read on your own, you still have to read and study on your own. You may not agree with everything they say, but he gives good frames of references and, uh, uh, you know, he'll talk about, you know, the root of where a lot of the words come from. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important also. So I, I don't know if you take notes or not, but Dr. James White's another good one. He's a, he is actually a, uh, New Testament Bible scholar. And he translates everything from the Cornea Greek, which is the Greek that the uh, oh, wow. the New Testament was written in. The real original. Yeah, yeah, okay. the New Testament. Yeah. Oh, I'm writing that. So, down. okay, you get you get a lot of good inference, uh, or you get a lot of good uh, instances of frame of reference from those people, yeah, right? Which is just so important and so missed. Right, right. 
So, like you said, we have to go out and do our own research. And I don't know how strict of a, I guess, bible Christian are you. What would you say about things such as the Book of Enoch? Have you read or looked into that? Actually, I'm guilty of not reading it. I had it. My wife read it, and she said she can see where it's not canon, but the Book of Enoch is actually referenced in the Bible. Right. Yeah, that's why I asked, because Jesus references Enoch. And Enoch was sure. he Enoch was so important that God came down from heaven and, and he took him to heaven. Enoch didn't die on earth. He was so favored by God that he was taken up to heaven. Right. And my wife tells me that uh that you will understand a lot more about the uh uh the Nephilim. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get from to. From the from the book of Enoch. She says it ties a lot of things together that are kind of Steam almost like nebulous. Right, yeah. It, um, it sounds kind of like a comic book, but once I read it and I kind of put it into that perspective, that lens of where we're talking about spiritual warfare, you really get this bomb in your head that goes off like, oh, wow, now it makes sense. Because essentially what it is, it's Enoch's story. He's talking about the fall of, of Lucifer when he fell from heaven and how a third of the angels came down with him. And then he goes on to explain the story of how these angels came down to men and started teaching mankind uh, secret arts such as making weaponry, using plants uh, as poisons, uh, teaching women how to put on makeup so they can deceive men. All these weird things that now we take, I guess, for granted. This was knowledge that was kept from humanity. And what Enoch describes is that these angels, they came down and they essentially taught us how to be more rebellious against God. And so no, you, see, now I absolutely have to read Yes, it. please read it. And then we'll, let, let's do this. We'll read it and we'll do another podcast. And I want to get your perspective on that because whenever I tell people about this and they go into it, look at it, and then they, they totally get it. Like they flip that switch. Well, oh, wow, I guess I can see how all of this is spiritual warfare. To me, it's sure. all about taking your attention away from God. It doesn't matter if it's even it could be even fitness, sports, uh, movies, sure. pornography, anything that keeps you away from the knowledge and and like praising God and just keeping your focus on him that's how the enemy wins in my opinion oh no no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right so we create all these idols right, right, right. all these distractions and that's you know that's what they are mm-hmm. so you know how much time do you, you know we spend so much time on other junk and you know so little time in the word of God and I mean I'm guilty of that too right yeah yeah we all know so, I need to focus on that, and, you know, it's easy to be distracted, and I I like that. I like a lot of different things, so I'll pick up, like, and that's where I get guilty. I'll read, like, five books at a time. Right, right. And see, there's nothing bad to it, but just to always keep, you know, God there. See things, but don't be, I guess, um, mused by it and taken into it and, like, be captured by it, you know, such as movies and the news. We can be filled with such pain or such emotion that we want to cling to these things that as if they were our saviors but i mean we all truly know who it it is well you know i tell my wife she's like why do you even watch the news she's like you're feeding them i'm like no they're feeding me i'm getting to see what the enemy's doing exactly and see that's that's (laughs) because a lot of people that i do talk to they stopped watching news and media but my thing is truth in media on instagram i want to see the media because i can use that to point it out to other people and be like, look, look right here, pay attention, look at what they're doing, look at how they're talking, look at the symbolism that they place on this scene, pay attention to all of it because they're doing a spell, they're brainwashing you somehow. 
this sure. is this is high occult magic. This is like the ancients understood psychology and they knew how to manipulate people and the environment to get you to accept certain ideals. And this is now they're doing it at a grand scale through technology. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's available, but you know, we have the same availability. Right. Yes. Um, back to what you were saying earlier, right? So this is a way for us to get the information to each other right. um, through technology. The, 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 uh, the gospel is being spread mm -hmm. more than ever before. Right. Right. So the, the war is actually right here, mm -hmm. you know, crazy as it is, but I mean, it's even right here on the internet. Right. Right. And the, you know, is there, is there some kind of cabal? I don't know if they all work together, but I know a lot of these girl guys are, are working towards nefarious ends right no i think and it's sure. you know it's probably just so they can have everything they have such a drive for power um if you haven't seen it um it disappeared for a little while but it came back up did you ever go look on the world economic forum website uh yeah yeah what about fine have you ever seen the the article eight predictions for the year 2030 yeah it starts off with you will loan nothing and be happy yeah right right there's yeah, that's crazy right. so so what they're saying is we're gonna own everything and you'd be glad that we, we let you you know borrow it out. It right right yeah so and, and they're so arrogant they believe that that's doing us a favor right right and it's weird because in their sick twisted mind i feel that they actually think they're doing good but their brain has been so manipulated by the i feel the devil or lucifer or whatever you want to call him that they feel they're doing the right thing. In their eyes, they want to create a world where there's order, where there's no people that can like get away with stuff, where they can see where all the money's being moved, where they can keep people complacent in these little uh, sustainable houses, keeping eat, keep us eating bugs, you know. They think they're doing the right thing, but to me, I think they've been indoctrinated by the by Lucifer to put us in this low vibrational state because that's what he wants. He wants to turn humanity against God. And you, one of the main ways to do it is just by weakening them and severing that connection to God. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think you're right there. I mean, I, that agrees with what my, you know, with what my wife says. Right. So she's a she's a sounding board for a lot of this stuff. She, she like reads a lot of stuff. She does a lot of research. So we're both like real research people. Mm. Um, but you know, I do a lot of the fitness stuff, and you know, I gone off the little little bit on the mad prepper uh -huh. so <laughs> now that's good that's good you have to now you have to be prepared because i've i've bought a big bag of rice and a lot of canned beans because i know something's coming and even even if it doesn't it's just good to be prepared right well you know the economies all over the world are totally unstable right now yeah they're crashing yeah we know that a crash is coming right how bad is it going to be is it going to be another depression i don't know did everybody suffer during the depression? No, not everybody. So I'm um, I'm old enough to tell you uh, I'm actually the youngest of six kids, oh. and I am 57. And uh, my dad was born in 1931, Dang. so he was you know we're we're kind of close to it. He was born during the depression. Right, right. Um, and I know of my my two grandfathers. So my 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 mother's father and my father's father, my father's father, uh, who was a plumber steam fitter. He stayed employed the whole depression. Okay. What did he now, do? What did he do? Do you know? 
he was a plumber's team fitter. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mostly construction stuff and some existing buildings, um, through a union up in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my, my mother's father who worked in plants as a, uh, a millwright, uh, that's basically like a maintenance guy. We'll just say that. Okay. So a, a higher level maintenance guy. Um, he didn't have consistent work. So he would actually, he had a pin that he would have to wear, which I actually have my mother, my mother left it to me when she passed away, but, uh, he had this pin with a number on it and he would stand in a crowd. And if they called your number, basically like a lottery, they would have work for you on that day. Oh goodness, man. Or for a specific amount of time. Damn. So, well, and I mean, it was, you know, and I mean, that's the way it was, right. you know, the, the, the stock market had crashed and, you know, and the, there's a lot of evidence that that was actually caused. Right. Yeah, um, sure. You know, if you ever looked at the, at the Jack, the Jekyll Island, right. The um, people who created the federal reserve. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The federal reserve was like 20 years before, I think. Yeah. I think it was Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson who actually regretted signing it. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the speculation is that he was pressured right, by right. Like, the Rockefellers. Um, you know, and you got those whole groups too, right? So, you know, how deep does this stuff go? And it's it, it all leads back to money, right? Right. So right. You, you got the two things, money and power. Um, and I think it's just, you know, it's selfishness. For sure. And yeah. that's that's really what the devil promotes, right? So right. the first, what what's the first thing that, you know, the satanic Bible says? Not that I know anything about the satanic Bible, but I've heard it over and over. Do what thou will. Yeah. In other words, do whatever you want. Yep. With no moral. Right. So take care of yourself. Right. You first. Yeah. And, the total. The total opposite of Christianity. Right. right. Which is Jesus came and he said, "Look, you have to be a servant. Exactly. You have to serve others. If you want to be first, you have to be last. Exactly. And that's my whole thing. Whenever I think I've concluded it and made it as simple as this, I think to me the purpose of this life is to serve one another and to raise your consciousness to be as more as more knowledgeable as more aware as strong as possible as you can right so and, and make sure that you're that you're that your learning is biblically sound right. Right? Right. right so we don't want this we don't want to be transcendental right True. we want to learn we want to learn what god tells us we need to learn right Right. So whenever you think you're going to transcend any of that, you're you're already going into dangerous territory. Right. Yeah. You're thinking... So under the, studying and understanding the Bible is really the most important thing because it's all in there. I agree. I agree, brother. And... Now, now, it doesn't mean you can't read other things to help you understand those things like the book of Enoch and things of that nature. That's not where I'm going with that. But we shouldn't say that there's anything that's going to transcend the Bible or anybody has a... a superior secret knowledge right yes yes because because we don't right. and when we think we do guess what that is right that's that's right. the devil getting his way right he's yeah. getting his way and he's he's making us think oh no you're you're special you're extra special mm -hmm. elevates you fills you with pride which was the first sin Exactly, exactly. And especially for men, that's an ego. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we have these we have these egos, you know, the ego is the big problem to deal with, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially as a man. Right, right. Um and I, I could be the, the you know, the first one to tell you that. I've done the macho trail, so you know. 
I totally Five agree. Um, I love how my buddy Pete, he put it so simply, and it always stuck with me. He said, we have to stop leave, living through the ego and start living through the soul. And that kind of encapsulated a lot of things for me. Right, right. I mean, if, you know, there's so many ways to say it. Like, you know, there's always a bigger fish. Right, yeah. You know, there's yeah. someone who's always better. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, training or anything like that, you know. But, uh, yeah, and some of that stuff is great. You know, I, my, my whole family, we took Taekwondo for for years. And, you know, uh, uh, before going into that, I mean, I was, you know, I, had, I have a speckled past. I was a... Uh, um, I'm actually a golf war veteran. I got out. I, I had done some, some fighting when I was younger. Um, you know, when I was a bouncer and things like that. And then you go to something like that where, and you have to learn something new and you take a, a kick to the ribs that puts you out for a week or something. Right. <laughs> and it's humbling, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get to. Uh, work hard, but stay humble. Right. 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 Yeah. And when you look at other people who are better, don't, you know, I, I don't ever say they were more blessed and woe is me. Mm -hmm. I say good for them. You know, look at, you know, are they working hard? Well, you know, they, they worked hard. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they were blessed. Right. But I can't be jealous of that. I, I got what I got and I'm going to work with what I got. Yeah. And say I can do that, too. I just need to work as hard. Right. So you were saying about being a hard gainer. So there is an old book out there mm -hmm. by a guy named Stuart McRobert. Stuart and it's, McRobert? Yeah, and it's called Braun. B-R-O-N? B-R-A-W-N. Oh, Braun. Okay. I'll check that out. I'm gonna... And it's a really, really good resource for hard gainers. It is one of the, it is like it's still considered to this day to be like a gold standard book for hard gainers. Okay. And uh, you can get that kind of stuff on, uh, you know, Amazon, maybe. I don't know if they still sell, but uh, I got my copy on thrift books. Oh, I love that source. Yeah. yeah people, if you ever look for a book, don't go buy a new book. Go buy a used book. Uh, go type in the name of the book, used book, or go to thrift books. I think it's .com, right? Yeah, thriftbooks.com. Yeah, right. That's so, a good source. That's where I got I think it. that's something my wife also found. So, you know, I'd be lost without her. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us will, brother. But Yeah, well, I mean, she, you know, God gave me the right wife. You know, she, yeah. she's very complimentary to me, you know. She fills in a lot of my missing parts. <laughs> yeah, brother, me too. I feel I got blessed with a good wife, too. I feel they're very hard to find now. It seems like the world has turned most of them into... Not not good wife material, but they're out there. Well, yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is that you know you have to be willing to to accept each other right. and understand that you know what you're two totally different people, and I love you for who you are. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, and that's basically the message of Christianity: just acceptance, forgiveness. You know, serving sure. one another. <clears throat> But listen, sure. thank you, thank you again for doing this. So we didn't even—I wanted to ask you about your uh, military background, if you have any crazy stories. But I actually would love to have you on again, and if possible, maybe even with your wife, I would like to ask her some questions, you know, about the Bible and just to kind of question each other how she kind of helped you stay in balance and how, how maybe how bad of a boy you were, you know, and see. Uh, just I like to talk to older people who who are still together and figure things out because it's beautiful and rare. Yeah, she she yeah she doesn't really know what a bad boy I was. She knows a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> I keep I keep some of that under wraps. But yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I don't. I you know I can't promise because you know she's very private. So that's all good. I don't know if she'd want to do it or not. She might. She might stay sitting on the side, and you might okay. hear her voice. If not, I would want to do it again with you. I would like to ask you about your military background, more about sure. your spiritual upbringing and stuff like that. But I want to thank you for doing this. And as we come to a close, I always like to ask the guests to leave us with either a positive quote or something that can help benefit us in our life, just something to take home with us. What, what do you got? Sure. What I would say is, uh, you know, follow God. You know, people say there's no instruction manuals to life. Yes, there is. It's it's the Bible. I love it. Okay. Um, young men especially read Proverbs. Okay. I'm gonna... So if you're ever lost, read Proverbs. <laughs> okay. As I end, I always look for a song. I'll probably look for something made from the book of Proverbs, and I'll add it, add it at the end of this. And That's a good idea. That sounds good. Okay. All right, thank you for doing this with me, brother. I'll get with you, and maybe we can do it a couple months down the road. And read the book of Enoch, and uh, take some notes, and we talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, now now I'm motivated. So you gave me a really good background. Like I said, my wife has read it, and I I was guilty of not doing it. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do that. All right, do that, brother, and then we'll get together. And thank you once again, and you have a good evening. Thanks, you too. It's All my right. pleasure. All right, bye, Dave. All right, guys, that was my conversation with Dave Bittner. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. He's an older guy, but he's swole and buff. Y'all, please go check out his Instagram. He's usually giving out um, workout tips and workout routines and healthy things to eat and stuff like that. And um, I hope y'all like that conversation. And to end, since he uh, told me he wanted to probably put something down about the Proverbs, because the Proverbs in the Bible is the Book of Wisdom, and so I tried to look for a song, and I really couldn't find one. So I found this thing. It's called Audio Bible. They kind of put Sammy cool music to a proverb, someone reading the Bible. And the album is called Proverbs, and the author, I guess, is called Streetlights. And this is Proverbs 10. And this is, um, this is thought to be the Proverbs of Solomon. And if y'all don't know, I guess in the next episode, we actually talk about King Solomon and how he was the wisest man. And when God offered him anything out of the whole world, he actually asked, asked for wisdom. And I love that because I think that through wisdom, all things are possible. So thank you once again for listening. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. This is Proverbs 10 by Streetlights. Peace. Proverbs, chapter 10. The Proverbs of Solomon. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. Tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. The godly are showered with blessings. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. We have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Thank you.
People who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding, but those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their destruction. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. The fears of the wicked will be fulfilled. The hopes of the godly will be granted. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away. But the godly have a lasting foundation. Lazy people irritate their employers, like vinegar to the teeth or smoke in the eyes. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land. The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words. Peace.